We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I'm going to deal with the day's news. We'll talk about Don Lemon's firing, as well as Tucker Carlson's. I want to talk about AOC's response to who she thinks is the better Republican candidate, as if we should care. And I'm also going to share with you the one thing that bugs me the most about conservative organizations. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening to the show. Well, today I thought I would just deal with a grab bag of news. We'll talk about Don Lemon's response to his firing. We'll talk about Tucker Carlson and Juck's position to that. They both get fired on the same day, or at least that's what we're being told, that the, the parting of the ways between Tucker Carlson and Fox News was not necessarily as amicable and two-sided as what Fox News said in their release. It appears that Tucker was actually fired. Their most popular, most lucrative, their money-making machine was fired. Why? Why would Fox do this? Well, they've done it before. Bill O'Reilly, now Tucker Carlson. There's been a cleaning of the house before. Now, why would a conservative news outlet get rid of its most popular conservative news commentators? And over at CNN, we know that Don Lemon was fired. We know what his response was. Let's talk about the difference between those two individuals, who they are as people, what their worldview is, and how that worldview is betrayed or exemplified in the way they respond to these particular crises, these, these things in their lives that they don't agree with. How do they respond to bad news? I'd also like, like to talk about AOC and her response to the question as to who is the most viable Republican candidate. Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, her response. I'd like to talk about the Green New Deal and the 90 plus trillion dollar price tag that AOC puts on that. And the lunacy of us considering that as a viable option in terms of economic planning, political planning, uh, planning for our sovereignty and our national defense. How in the world could this possibly be good for America to put ourselves further in debt over an issue that we don't even know for sure what it really is? It's, it's a boogeyman. It keeps moving on us. We think the monster's under the bed, and when we look there, it's not there. Somebody told us that something bad is going to happen, so we fear that the monster moved from under the bed to into the closet. It's fictitious. It's make-believe. But yet, we're allowing government officials, oligarchs, elites, to govern us, scare us to death, scare us into compliance. They can get us to do anything they want us to do if they can just scare us with regard to climate change. If it rains, climate change. If it's a drought, climate change. If it's cold, climate change. If it's hot, climate change. If, it's, if there are tornadoes and hurricanes, climate change. If there aren't as many as there used to be, climate change. You can blame everything on climate change, and the elite gets their way. 
I'd also like to talk about a question I was asked on Elisa Childers' podcast recently. What do we do in the face of all this bad news? Is there any hope? I'm going to share with you the answer I gave Elisa, and hopefully that will encourage you. And last on the show, I want to talk about the thing that bugs me most about conservative organizations. It just stuns me, and I've had it happen at least three times recently. I was talking to a newspaper editor about these issues, and I shared this with him, and frankly, even this newspaper editor was stunned. So that's today's show, just a grab bag, little hits here and there on what you're reading in the daily news how we should react, should we care, are there moral stories here for us to, to digest, to critique, to think about, and perhaps learn from, and become better ourselves as we watch stuff play out in the news. Because, you know, we are fish in water. We can't get out of it. We are going to be wet. We are swimming in the same environment that everybody else is swimming in. We can't pretend it isn't there. So we have to figure out what we're going to do about it, how we're going to respond. And is God surprised by any of this, and should you be? Some questions for the day, pertinent to the daily news. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one-year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening in to today's show. Remember that if you'd like to subscribe to The Rebellion, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. That's patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. And again, if you want to find out what my speaking schedule is or get me on your agenda to speak at your church, your political event, a fundraiser, or whatnot, you can go to my website. That's DrEverettPiper.com, D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R.com. And as I've said before, on that website, you will see a menu bar. And if you click on that menu bar and notice the various different tabs, you'll see that you can schedule me to speak. You can get direct links to purchase my books, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth, the sequel, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, 
but it's good. And then my first book is also cited there, Why I'm a Liberal and Other Conservative Ideas. Brief sidebar here, if there are new listeners and you're hearing me promote that first book, Why I'm a Liberal and Other Conservative Ideas, and you're scratching your head thinking, I thought I was listening to somebody else on this particular show, let me remind you what the point of that title is. A classical liberal, somebody who really understood liberal agendas, a liberal arts institution, liberalism, was somebody who understood liberty. A liberal arts education was invented, it was created, let's say some 1,000 years ago. We'll call Oxford the cradle of that. You can claim Cambridge, you can claim some other ancient university, but let's just go back 1,000 years to Oxford in Oxford, England. What was the point of a liberal arts education that evolved from that particular model? It was very simple. A good education should liberate you. A good education is about more than information, as I've said recently on my show. Education is just not about information. Education is about revelation. Education isn't just knowing more stuff. It's not just a download of X's and O's that you regurgitate by using your thumbs on an iPhone or having a computer chip implanted in your brain where you have access to all of Google just by thinking about the question, and then you can spout off that information. Wouldn't you be an educated person if that was possible? Well, they're thinking it is possible, and they're actually wanting to go that direction with artificial intelligence. But should you celebrate this, or should you step back away from it and recoil? And I would argue, obviously, it's the second, because you could have all that information in your head, and you, should, and you could still be enslaved, and in fact, you will be. You will not be liberated. You will not be a classical liberal. You will be confined. You will be held captive by your betters, by the elites, by the power brokers, the people that are controlling the download of that information. A classical liberal was somebody who could think critically, evaluate. Classical liberal wasn't somebody who celebrated volumes of information, but somebody who understood virtue. They were taught to think They were taught to question. They were taught to analyze. They were taught to critique. They were taught. A classical liberal understood that when you pursue the truth, the truth shall set you free. But opinions, tons of them, millions, gazillions of opinions, information, downloading all of that stuff doesn't make you free. In fact, arguably, history teaches us that it will enslave you. That's why I titled my second, excuse me, not my second, but my first book, Why I'm a Liberal and Other Conservative Ideas. I was arguing that as a conservative, somebody who believes in conserving truth, finding it, embracing it, understanding a little bit more about it than what I did just five minutes ago, truth as an objective reality, truth as a revelation, natural law, law that's natural, common sense, sense that's common, Revelation of God, not construct of man. Truth, with a capital T, not lowercase t. Truth sets us free. Truth liberates us. That was a classical liberal just yesterday, and now liberal has been turned on its head because progressives have stolen the word, turned it upside down, and made it mean something it's not. They do that with everything. That's what progressives do. They deconstruct everything, and then they build it back up in their own liking, in their own image. 
They tear down the church because they don't believe in the church's God, the one true God, but that doesn't make them people that are unreligious. It doesn't make them what they claim. They, they claim they don't believe in religion in the public square, but then they impose their religion on you at every turn. Their religion that requires you to bow to the rainbow gods, LGBTQIA, CRT, SEL, BLM, the alphabet soup of progressivism. It's a religion. It's a religion. Oh, they say it's science, but it's not science. They deny the science at every turn. They deny the biology of a female. They deny the data that contradicts global warming, climate change. They just ignore it. They just keep moving the targets time and time again when you discover that their God is false. All right. So let's talk about other news. Tucker Carlson gets fired and Don Lemon gets fired. Both on the same day. Interesting, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know why the same day. But look at the difference between the two men. Don Lemon, radical leftist, very arrogant, very selfish, very narcissistic. I think by all measures, you'd have to agree with that. Even if you agree with some of the things he says, his commentary, if you agree with his agenda, which I'm assuming very few people listening to this show do, but let's just assume there's a handful out there listening right now that like Don Lemon's commentary, like his worldview. Well, look at the way he responds to a firing versus Tucker Carlson, at least at this point in time. Tucker could prove me wrong in the future, but I doubt he will. At this point, both men are fired. Don Lemon strikes out, angry, self-righteously, goes to Twitter, condemning the CNN executive suite. They're bad, I'm not. Okay? He's pointing the finger of accusation outward, saying, they're bad, I'm not. This is his worldview. It's the 99 against the 1. It's the us against them. It's critical theory. It's class conflict. So rather than reconciliation and personal confession and reflection, rather than accepting the things that are handed to you and taking responsibility to manage your own life, you lash out and blame everybody else, and that's what Don Lemon is doing right now. It's self-righteous, it's smug. It's the refusal to acknowledge any personal sin and blaming everybody else for being sinners. While you you condemn the idea, you scoff at the idea of sin in general. That's Don Lemon. He's lashing out. Classless, vindictive, angry little man. Then you have Tucker Carlson. At this point, I haven't heard him say anything negative. I think there's a reason for that. The worldview of the two men is diametrically opposed. I'm sure Tucker Carlson has some negative feelings. But he's self-controlled enough to know that going to the public airways isn't the place to express those feelings. So he's more controlled. He comes across as less smug, less self-righteous, less vindictive. He comes across with having a modicum of virtue because his worldview is grounded in veritas, truth, as opposed to vengeance. Don Lemon is a man of vengeance and vice. Tucker Carlson is a man who pursues veritas, who pursues truth. Now, he may get it wrong at times. You may have heard an episode and you said, well, I don't think he's right. I think he drew the wrong conclusions. I've looked at the data, and I don't think the same way as he does. That's fine. As conservatives, we debate those things. That's good. Iron sharpens iron. Therefore, let one man sharpen another. 
Conflict is good. A little dissonance within the conservative camp actually produces a positive outcome because cognitive dissonance creates tension. That optimal balance of challenge, yes, we challenge one another when we think we're wrong, but we also support one another and we stand doggedly having your back, you having my back, when we're right. That's what conservatives do. It's a very different worldview between the two men, Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon. Watch this one play out and ask yourself, who would you rather be? Who would you rather have pe- people think you are? Would you, would you prefer that people look at you as they're looking at Tucker Carlson right now? Or would you prefer to be Don Lemon and have people thinking the same thing of you that they think of Don Lemon? Ask yourself that question and ask yourself why. What's the difference between the two worldviews? One is grounded in a Judeo-Christian ethic, and the other is grounded in self. One is narcissistic, gazes in the pool, and infatuated with his own image, elevates himself to be his God. The other, oh yeah, he's aggressive. Tucker Carlson is aggressive. He goes after things. He's He's a pit bull. But what is the point? He's always arguing for virtue. He's always arguing to to pursue truth and to discard what's false. Very different. Very different worldview and very different response in the face of crisis, in the face of things that they don't like. Then you have AOC. That's the second story for the day. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the bartender that now rules the world. I mean, this is the face of, of America's downfall, quite, quite frankly. If anybody frightens me, it's her. More than Joe Biden. Joe Biden is just an incompetent criminal, quite frankly. Oh, by the way, sidebar on that news, nine people in his family have been cited by the federal government. They're now going after the Biden family for corruption, for collusion, for, for making millions and millions of dollars off of our enemies, Russia, Red China. The list goes on and on. It's not just Hunter Biden. Nine people in the Biden family are now being cited by the FBI and the federal government in an investigation that will unravel in the days ahead. And I I, I, I take this one to the bank. I predict the Democrats will get on board. Why? Because they don't want Joe Biden to be their nominee. They recognize this man is terrible. He's pathetic. They just don't know what to do right now because if Biden dies or if they take him out through impeachment or whatnot, they've got who? This idiot. This woman that can't communicate. She can't put two sentences together. She acts like she's talking to a kindergarten class. But she doesn't talk to them as a competent teacher. She talks to them as if she's one of the students herself. Vice President Harris is a complete and total disaster. Just as much so as President Biden. They're both broken people. Harris, because not because she's got dementia, but because she's just so corrupted in her thinking. She's been given over to a reprobate mind. And maybe it's because she wasn't very bright in the first place. I don't know. Biden, he's just corrupt, and he's also a victim of, I would, I'll say it. I mean, he's got, he's got dementia, at least. He certainly has diminished capacities, cognitive capacities. Is it Alzheimer's? Perhaps. For those of you who have lived around people with Alzheimer's, you see the symptoms, you see the decline, you have to ask that question. It's rather frightening, really. But the news there is the Biden family, it's going to catch up with them. 
it's going to catch up with him. And I predict, I'm going to tell you right now, the Democrats won't protect him any longer because they want him out and they want somebody else in. Now, back to AOC's comment. She says that Ron DeSantis is a lesser candidate than Donald Trump. This woman is an idiot. Why is she saying that? Well, maybe she's not an idiot. Maybe she's more shrewd than what I'm giving her credit for. The Democrats don't want Ron DeSantis. I'm telling you right now. Right now for those of you who are Trumpers, great. Again, I've told you before, I've voted for him twice, and I don't apologize for that. I mean, the alternative was complete, unmitigated disaster from the left, and I'm grateful in God's providence that miraculously Donald Trump prevailed against Hillary Clinton, and I'm incredibly disappointed that he didn't prevail against Joe Biden. And don't go down the election fraud path with me right now. I don't know. I don't know whether the election was stolen or not, but if it was stolen, why was it even close? Ron DeSantis beat his opponent in Florida by 20 points. It wasn't even close. Kevin Stitt beat Joy Hoffmeister here in the state of Oklahoma by, what was it, 13, 15 points? It wasn't even close. So election fraud didn't steal the election for the left in Oklahoma, Florida, and elsewhere across the country. Glenn Youngkin, he prevails in Virginia. How'd that happen? So if election fraud is stealing all the elections from us, then how is it that Ron DeSantis just browbeats his opponent in Florida and crushes the opposition? And frankly, in other conservative bastions like Oklahoma, we've got Kevin Stitt, Ryan Walters as Secretary of Public Instruction. How's this happening if election fraud is stealing everything? I don't know. You may have an answer. I don't. But what I do know is Donald Trump is not our president right now. Joe Biden is. And I think part of it is because Donald Trump is is inc- incredibly popular, but he's also equally, if not slightly more, unpopular with everybody else out there that says, no way, there's not a snowball's chance in Texas that I'm going to vote for that man. It's very divisive. Look at the people that he endorsed during the last election. A couple of them prevailed, but a lot of them lost. And I think that is the canary in the coal mine. We need to attend to that. So why is AOC saying what she's saying, that Ron DeSantis is the lesser candidate of the two? How stupid does she think we are? She thinks she can convince the American people that (laughs) Ron DeSantis can't win. Well, last I knew, we're not asking AOC for GOP advice. She's not going to manage the campaigns of anybody that's Republican. So, first of all, I'm not listening to any Democrat tell us who to vote for. But AOC, are you serious? This woman, she's so immature. She's so self-righteous. She's so much a millennial that it's frightening. Safe spaces, trigger warnings, microaggressions. That's what this woman is all about. Neo-Marxism anti-constitutionalism, BLM, CRT, climate lies. That's AOC. Why would anybody listen to her? And she's telling us that Trump is the stronger candidate because she wants to run against Trump rather than Ron DeSantis. That's as clear as the nose on your face. The Democrats want Donald Trump to be nominated as their opposition. They think if Joe Biden could beat the man than anybody could. They think they could run their dog against Donald Trump and beat him. 
because of the negatives he brings to the table. They are praying that we nominate Donald Trump. That's what the Democrats want. That's what Donald Trump's indictment is all about. Everything that's happening right now is about Donald Trump. That's the way the left wants it. They want us. They want us to choose Donald Trump as their as our nominee. I almost said their nominee. Maybe that was a Freudian slip because that is who they want. Now, you can be pro-Trump and still understand what I'm saying. I mean, if you've got eyes to see and ears to hear, you have to recognize that the Democrats desperately want us to nominate Donald Trump as our candidate for 2024. That's why AOC said what she said. No question. Irrefutable. They do not want to run against anybody else on our bench. Because we have a very strong bench. Thank you. Ron DeSantis has proven himself to be a strong conservative leader. He's much more conservative on a lot of the things that matter to me and I presume matter to you. He's been right on the transgender issue. Donald Trump has been wrong. Just look at the Dylan Mulvaney thing. Right when we've got Budweiser on its knees, begging for mercy because we're crushing them. We're crushing them for their lunacy and putting Dylan Mulvaney on a beer can. Okay, their their stock, Anheuser-Busch stock, goes down by, last I checked, $5 billion, $8 billion. Why? Because conservatives reacted negatively to this trans agenda, putting Dylan Mulvaney on a can to represent reality, women. Everybody from Kid Rock to country music stars across the spectrum said no, no longer. We're not going to buy this lie, and we're not going to buy your product. Right when we've got them where we want them, where they're listening, Donald Trump Jr. takes to the Truth Social and says back off. The trans community gives more money to Republicans than Democrats. I mean, that's where the Trump campaign is on this issue. When Ron DeSantis has it right in terms of protecting women, their bathrooms, their showers, their sports, their scholarships, their identity and their dignity, when Ron DeSantis is doing what's right and is winning by 20 points, Donald Trump and his his team go the opposite direction. I've told you before, I met with Donald Trump on this issue, and I know where he stands. He doesn't care. He's hosted LGBTQ celebratory events at his home in Florida, and we ignore it because we want Donald Trump. You can't sell your soul and win your culture, people. I'll say it again. You can't sell your soul and win your culture. Will I vote for Donald Trump over the alternative if he's our nominee? Most likely, yes. Most likely. Because I don't believe in the values. I don't believe in the ideas of the Democrat Party. I think they're broken. Now, if there was an old guard Democrat that stepped forward, uh, would I consider that person? I don't know. I don't think they exist any longer. Old guard Democrats were good people. I have people that got on my campaign and voted for me here in Osage County that were Democrats up until this election. They switched their voter registration so they could campaign for, give, campaign for me, vote for me, and give me money. I really respect these people. They're good people. 
they believed in what the old Democrats believed in. Oh, I had issues with it back then, but it's not the same. The party today is a neo-Marxist party. It's not just a party that tries to help the common man, the little man. It's not the party of Harry Truman and FDR. That party's dead, no longer exists. Not that FDR was right on everything. I could do a show or two on where he set us up for this mess. All right, so AOC is wrong. In the two minutes we got left, I'm going to share with you the thing that bugs me most about the conservative movement. I've had organizations reach out to me since I retired as president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University and ask me to consider being their CEO, their president, their executive director, their chief executive officer, call it what you will. Had one organization offer me a very nice salary. I offered the job, offered the salary, and then came to me and said, but we're uncomfortable with your commentary on LGBTQ. Had another organization ask me to write a book, a, a sequel to Not a Daycare. I wanted to cover the Imago Day Imago Dog issue, made in the image of man or made in the image of the animal. Uh, the, the subjective claims that you can define yourself by your desires and how insulting that is to the human being. And the biblical worldview elevates us above the animal, whereas the rainbow worldview diminishes us to nothing but the dog. This conservative publisher said, no, we won't publish that. I've had another organization reach out and ask me to consider their executive position, and then they've said, but you need to go under the radar a bit. You're too vocal. This really bothers me. You don't run away from the storm, people. You've got to run toward it. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. If you're not willing to fight, you're never going to win. If you're not willing to lose for the sake of the battle, you'll never win the war. Conservatives can't back down. We have to stiffen our spine and run into the storm, not away from it. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.